morning, everybody. Good to see you guys are awake. The extra hour help, most of you guys. We had kids, so it was still old time with the new time for us. But man, it's so good to see you. Whitewater is a place you can belong before you believe, meaning you don't have to believe what I believe or our church believes to come belong and explore your faith here. And our, our hope and our goal is to help uh, you move forward on your spiritual journey with Jesus and toward Jesus. Uh, we also believe that you, no matter where you come from, what your background is, that, that you are blessed to become a blessing. That I, like I've been blessed by God with just amazing, like so much stuff sometimes that I think we can even take for granted, but we have been blessed to become a blessing. Um, We've been in this series called We Bless, and one of the, the foundational scriptures we've been looking at uh, comes out of John chapter 7. Uh, Jesus says this, For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from the heart of anyone who believes in me. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit. Um, since we've been talking about becoming a reservoir, like our church as a re- reservoir, deepening the reservoir of our hearts and our lives, getting deeper in the Lord, getting deeper in our relationships together and with Him, that, that God wants to release a river from that reservoir of your life and our church's life into the community to bring a river of life into a, uh, a desert spiritually in the world around us. Now, um, as we've been talking a lot about this uh, water flowing from the hearts and stuff. I, the last week and a half, two weeks, like my family can't like hold a cup of water without spilling it. Like water has been flowing from our lives, like in the most unwanted places. My son, who's a year old, he, like he's hit this new stage. If there's any cup left on any counter anywhere that he can get his hands on, he'll just grab it, whack that thing off. You guys ever seen this stage? It's like he's you know, he's getting ready for sport or something. He just whacks this thing off. He grabbed my uh, coffee the other day and just went like this, and it went all over the floor and the and the couch. And it, the water has been flowing, if not from the heart, from the hands. And my wife, she spilled water on our, on our computer. Luckily, it wasn't broken. And then she, uh, all over the, the table, I'm like, Sarah, what's going on? She's like, well, you're preaching about this stuff. You know, I got to... Um, and then I spilled on myself. Uh, it was right before doing... I think I was before speaking at something. And oh, yeah, it was our discipleship class, our growth uh, class called the Journey Track. And we've had almost 100 people uh, go- going through that. There's two more weeks. It's been awesome. It's been deepening the reservoir. But right before, you know, teaching at that, I spilled water all over myself, made it look like I peed my pants. It was terrible and embarrassing. I'm glad it didn't happen before I preached today. But it's just been... Water's been flowing like crazy in my family. But our hope is and our goal is that water be flowing from your your life the spirit of god the love of god the grace of god i was talking with another friend pat uh just this week and and he was like man this series has really uh been god has been working on my heart he's like when i came here i didn't realize it but there was bitter water in my heart he's like and bitterness was coming out because the reality is sometimes you might not know this and sometimes I might not want to believe this, but water is always flowing out of our lives. It's just a question, is it good? Is it living? Is it, is it uh, bitter? Is it healthy water? And he was like, man, I just had unforgiveness and some bitterness in my life. And he's like, and all of a sudden God's been working on my heart and he's like, it's fresh again. It was just so cool. I love the way he put that. He's like, it's fresh again and it's flowing out of my life. And it is, like, he's jumped into serving and helping and doing some incredible things recently. And, man, that's our hope for you. That's our hope for our church. Um, So as we jump in today, I I just wanted to make sure to give us a snapshot 
of where we are as a church, what we're, what we're headed toward vision-wise, what we're trying to accomplish together. Um, what we're really trying to do in this series called We Bless is, is talk about how our church is designed to be a blessing and what we feel called to do and to be. And it's a, kind of a three-pronged strategy. We want to help our church have personal blessing, um, local blessing, and global blessing. Personal being like your social circles, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your, your classmates, like the people in your social circles. That's personal blessing. And then last week we really launched into local um, blessing, which is like the needs of, of our area, the needs of the 253, Pierce County, your uh, area of where you live. What are the needs and what are you passionate about? How can you share your shape? And then in the, uh, the coming weeks, we'll actually unveil some stuff that we're excited about globally. And where we get that is, is found in Acts 1, verse 8. It's, it's a simple strategy that Jesus kind of gives the church. So we thought Jesus is a good, you know, he's probably a good strategic mind to follow. And he said this, but you will receive, the, uh, receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be filled with the Spirit. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem through Judea and Sumeria and to the ends of the earth. And Jerusalem is personal blessing. It's our social circles where we live. And then Judea and Samaria, that's our regional or local area of blessing. And then to the ends of the earth, and that's pretty obvious, that's globally. And so that's what we're trying to accomplish. And so today is all about um, local blessing. So with that said, you guys ready to get started? All right, let me pray and we'll do this. Father God, would you just open our eyes, fill us with vision, fill us with encouragement. Lord, anybody who's down in the dumps today, who's come in with heavy burdens on their shoulders, would you lift them? Would you help them? Lord, would you empower them today? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 43, 19 says this, do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Did you mind just showing that image of the desert? Um, We're Someone just gets scared. I show this. Whoa. So they're like, there's a, there's a projector. Um, what is this technology? Um, rivers in the desert that we as a community of God are designed to be rivers in the desert. God wants to make rivers in the desert of our world, spiritual desert. And um, when you look at something like this... Uh, I think it's motivating for me to think that God wants to use my life, can use my life, when I don't feel like sometimes like I have that much to offer or that much skill, but God wants to use ordinary, regular people to make a difference. And the question we've been asking uh, is really like, how can God release the river of our church, Whitewater, into the desert of Pierce County? What would that look like? And I, I'm going I'm to cover three things today. Here, here they are. So I'm just giving t- them to you up front. Three kind of movements, what we're talking about. The river frees us, the river focuses us, and the river flourishes in, in our lives in the desert. And so the first one is wherever the river flows, it frees. It frees. It moves from a desert. It turns a desert into something that's flourishing. Would you show that image real, real quick? It, it moves from the desert into a river that flourishes and brings life. This is what God wants to do in our area. He wants to transform it. This is what God wants to do in your and my life, in our hearts. He wants to bring a river that brings life, where there's flourishing. And so Jesus kind of declares like his ministry of freedom right at the beginning of 
the start of his ministry. This is, he just says, this is what I'm all about. And, and we're reading in Luke chapter 4, and if you'd remember, how many of you guys remember we talked about Jesus' temptation in the desert? You guys remember this? He's tempted with power and, you know, to protect himself and all that stuff. And Jesus passes the test in the desert. Now, I know this. After a spiritual high, like Jesus had when his father said, this is my son, I'm well pleased with him, and the spirit fell on Jesus, all of a sudden he gets led into the, the desert. I know in my life, whenever I go through a spiritual high, a mountaintop experience, it's often followed by a desert experience. And Jesus passes the test in the desert, and then he is unleashed on the world with his ministry. And here's his, here's his declaration, here's his purpose statement for his ministry. He, Jesus says this in his hometown, in his home area. He says in Luke four eighteen, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news. Stopping there for a moment. The spirit of the Lord is where? It's on Jesus. It's around Jesus. It's filling his life. It's leading his life. God's spirit is leading him. Jesus has been anointed to preach the good news. Well, who's he preaching to? He gets really specific. He preaches good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, freedom to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the the year of the Lord's release, is another way that they would understand this back in these days. And there's a lot of layers to this this passage that we'll actually look at in the coming weeks. There's some real depth here. But the key thing I want to look at today is this. This is about freedom. This whole passage about Jesus bringing freedom to his, his world. And let me ask this. Is Jesus here to bring freedom spiritually or physically? Just reading this passage. Is he here just to help people in their situation, their physical world, or their spiritual world? The answer is yes, right? The answer is, you, know, you guys are like a little, no one's going to get kicked out today for having the wrong answer, but it's both. It's not an either or proposition. It's a both. Sometimes the church has been like, well, do we take care of spiritual needs or should we take care of physical needs? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, let's read the Bible and see what Jesus did. It's both, friend. It is both. You, when you look at the ministry of Jesus, he is taking care of uh, spiritual blindness, spiritual poverty, spiritual oppression, spiritual enslavement, and he's freeing people, people who are demon-possessed, people who are just, they're, they're excluded from their religious community, have been far from God, and he's bringing peace between people and God. It's amazing what Jesus did. He met spiritual needs. How many guys think that's cool? few people in here. That's great. (laughs) Let me ask this. How many of you have had God meet spiritual hunger and need in your life and Jesus has freed you? It's okay to put your hands up for something like that. Like God is so good and he sent his son to deal with the spiritual problems and brokenness that we have. But but there were real physical needs that he took care of, physical realities, physical sickness, physical poverty, physical oppression, physical enslavement. Jesus healed actual blind people, helped people walk again. He uh, met needs, fed people. He, he did real things in real time to meet physical need. It's both. And I love that Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, proclaims a whole gospel, like good news, that's what gospel means, a whole gospel for the whole person. How many of you guys are glad that Jesus came to meet both our physical and spiritual needs? 
I love that. That's what he came to do. Now, when he, uh, when he sees the people that he's ministering to, Jesus reveals why he does what he does. We've, we're seeing what he does. We're seeing specifically what he's planning on doing. And he goes and he accomplishes that in his ministry. But why does Jesus do what he does? And in, I don't think it's better articulated than in Matthew 9, 36. When Jesus saw the crowds, it says, he had what? Compassion. His heart was moved. The word for compassion is splagnizomai. It means like the gut. You know, and it's kind of a strange thing. The compassion is from the splagnizomai. Try saying that word. It's splagnizomai. Uh, I'm, I'm having compassion right now. I'm splagnizomaiing you. Um, sounds kind of weird. But like if you've ever gone through something horrible, if you've ever been uh, moved, you know, like, it, like the term gut-wrenching is splagnizomai. It's compassion. And Jesus had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He saw their need. He saw the desert of their, of their life. He saw the desert of leadership. They had all these self-serving leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, who, who weren't helping them. And he's like, somebody's got to do something. He was so moved. He just, somebody's got to do something. He was moved in his heart. And the way we define compassion is, is seeing a need that moves your heart to wise action. We have to see what God sees to love who God loves. The Pharisees in this day and age saw the problem and weren't moved at all to help them. They would just, well, they deserve it and they're sinners and they just needed to try harder and they just need to, and, and the, their solution wasn't helpful and it wasn't really good leadership. Does that make sense? And um, Jesus saw the real issue and had compassion. I love that. Um, and our, it's not compassion to see someone like, we saw someone, you know, one time, you know, run, it, run in with their bike, they were riding their bikes, they ran into a, uh, the back of a van, boom, the whole back tire went up, and it just was like, and they, I think they might even tap their head a little bit on the car, and they came back, looked around, saw if anybody saw them, and drove off. If they had fallen over, and they were screaming, you know, and my family was like, oh man, we feel so bad, that's just, look at the, you know, look at these bleeding, and He's crying. Doesn't that make you feel bad, Novella? Doesn't that make you feel bad, Sarah and Wes? And we're like, yeah, it makes us feel bad. All right, let's go get donuts. And you drive off. That's sympathy, but that's not compassion because compassion moves your heart to what? Wise action. Wise action is important because you can start doing foolish action. Like you get like really moved for someone and you start doing all the wrong things. I had a friend try to help me one time and, you know, I, he was like, he's trying to get me tea and stuff. He knew I was sick and he's like, spilling scalding hot water on me it was not helpful or wise um i think i told you guys this last week my daughter and wes were playing and he climbs up on this slide for the first time and he's like tottering on the edge of this and there's a slide part where he can slide down and he'll be fine and then there's the death part where he'll fall off and hit his head and i was like novella she was close to him could you help your brother and she's like i got it dad and she goes and stands in front of the slide part she was moved, she saw the need, and she acted, but we need to a- act wisely. And with our church, when, if we want to be a river of blessing in the world, we have to learn to, be, to have wise action. We have to learn to think, what are the core issues? What are the core answers? How do we bring the holistic gospel to this situation? And you can have good medicine for the wrong injury. We need to have the right medicine for the right. 
Check, check. There we go. We're back on. They're like, you're done. Sermon over. (laughs) So let me just share one area where God has really moved my heart to compassion that has influenced my whole ministry, like just the feel and the flow of my ministry. Uh, I don't know if you guys have themes of what God does in your life, but I, I have themes of how God's worked in my life. And I, my, I think one of the biggest impacts that came to me through the area of compassion was um, God started breaking my heart when I started working with developmentally delayed uh, special needs. And I began working at an assisted living um, complex. And there was actually a bunch of... Um, of apartments that were rented out for people with special needs and it was its own community and I didn't even know it existed I'd been blind to it I'd never seen it didn't know anything about it didn't know much about that community until I started working there and uh, it was just down the road from where I'd lived you know most of my life and uh, once I started working there I got to work with people that there were people that had down syndrome or autism or even um, issues that they didn't even have names for yet and it was this community that loved each other, and they all had limitations and different, uh, you know, different limitations, but they were a community, and they loved each other, and they would laugh together, and they would fight together, and they would, you know, it was just everything that a family and a community is, it was just right there. And I, I, God, God taught me so much when I was working there, and, um, and he broke my heart for them, and I, as I worked with them, I remember working with one guy, we'll call him Bill, um, Bill uh, liked to go shopping, and one of the tasks was taking him to, to go shopping at the supermarket, and they told me when I took him, they said, hey, make sure uh, that, you, uh, that you make sure he doesn't shoplift anything. I'm like, shoplift? He's the nicest guy in the world. He's always smiling, so friendly, and they're like, yeah, he likes to steal from the rich to give the poor, so just keep an eye on it. <laughs> Ask him to empty his pockets when you leave. I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep an eye on him. So I like was, you know, I was taking it super serious, like my first day on the job. I'm like, you know, following him, just watching like every every move, like making sure there's no uh, theft or anything like that. And uh, he's like looking at things and setting them down. I want that and I want that. So I'm helping him. And finally we get the stuff he wants and we go to the cashier and pay for it all. I'm like, okay, we're good. And uh, we head out and he's like, bye, waves at the cashier. And the cashier's like, hey, aren't you going to have him empty his pockets? I'm like, no, I was with him the whole time. It's watching him the whole time. He's like, you might want to check. I'm like, all right, hey, Bill, uh, empty your pockets. And he just goes, whoosh, all this stuff comes out. And he pulls out a pop, like a soda. And he's like, I got a pop. I'm like, can you give that back? And he's like, ha, ha, ha. It's like his routine, right? The cashier's like, ah, you almost got away with it. This new fool that's with you. And, you know, he loves to steal from the rich to give the poor. And, and the thing I loved about this guy was that he would give the shirt off his back to anybody, anybody in his community that has need, or he ran into anybody that he thought I'd need, he'd be like, get the checkbook out, and he'd, he'd want to write a check, and I'd have to write it, and he's like, write it for them, they need it, and I'm like, no, I can't, this is your money, and, and he's like, but we need to help them, and he always wanted to help, and in our world, you know, we're like, oh, it's foolish, he's spending his money foolishly on people, but sometimes, like, I wonder, like, he understood that people were more important than things and agendas, and um, God began breaking my heart to in the way that I, like, the people of this community had so much to offer, so much joy, such a different way of looking at life. It was, it, it just changed me. And I remember I was going to college at the time and we were learning all about, like, you know, deconstructionist history. I was a history major and we were learning about social Darwinism and this is the way things are and the right way of things that the strong eat the weak and this is the way everything should be. And, and I'm looking at this, I'm living with this community that, that functionally our world would say they have no value to add because of the disabilities. 
And if social Darwinism is the way to go, then the strong eat the weak, and the, what, what do they add? And I was seeing, like, spiritually, relationally, they had riches and gifts to add to people who would look. Are you with me? If we would look. And the weak were actually much stronger than the strong thought they were. And I would see this community, and many of their families didn't come visit them, and many times they were excluded from other from conversations, from, uh, from people. They were a little excluded community uh, that many people ignored. And, and God broke my heart. And that's where, you know, the theme of belonging before belief, the theme of inclusion of Whitewater, a lot of that came from my experiences living in a community like that because there's no throwaway people. There's no throwaway people in the kingdom of God. And everybody has something to, to give. Everybody has something to add to the community. Amen? So you can belong here. And that's been a theme in my life and that came because of compassion. God moved my heart. Now the second thing I want to talk to you guys about is wherever the river flows, there's focus. Wherever the river flows, there is focus. And um, you guys know the difference between a, a flood and a river? Oh, look at this. Um, would you th- throw up the, this image when a flood is unleashed, it's just like unleashed everywhere. There's no focus and it can cause great damage at first. And then after the damage, all the, all the water has gone all these places and, it's, and it's, it's not deep enough and it's not powerful enough to go to the actual places that the water's needed. So it, gets, it causes destruction and then it's diluted. Does that make sense? But, but a river is focused. A river has river banks, so it can be a channel that takes something life-giving and it, and it gives it to the places that need it most. And so it, be, it, it provides focus. And focus is really important. In fact, when you looked at when the passage that we read about Jesus, he brings great focus. He's like, I'm going to bring good news to the poor. He focuses. And he says, I, I'm going I'm to proclaim release to the captives. I'm going to bring sight to the blind. Jesus gets really focused. And he says, these are the rivers of the desert that I'm bringing life to. Do you guys see what I'm, I'm talking about? And, and we as a church, we need to bring great focus to what we're, what we're doing. Here's the other thing about focus. Um, and, you, and you can show that image. I don't know if you did while I, while I was talking, but the image, oh, back one, um, this is focus. Go back real quick. Uh, maybe one more. There we go. There we go. That's focus. You see how this reservoir is releasing intentional. It's intentional. There's a wildness to it, but there's a power to it, and it's being channeled in a direction. God wants to do that with your life and my life. God did that with Jesus in a way that, like, we're not Jesus, we're not perfect, we're not saviors of the world. God gave life to the whole world spiritually through Jesus in a way we can't. But God's love and spirit can still flow through us. This is what God wants to do. And now here's the other reality. You can, you can flick to the, um, to the, uh, to the other one. The, that a river can cut through rock. A river can cut through rock over time. I love this quote from Rick Warren. A river cuts through rock not because of its power, but because of its persistence, because of its tenacity. It's like it's long-suffering, patient, never going to quit over and over. This trickle, this little river over time can wear away even the strongest rock. And I love that image. Like, Like that river doesn't look that powerful, but over time, look what it did. It cut through rock. And there needs to be a persistence, I think, 
in the blessing that we, that we allow God to bring through our church, like that we're not going to quit. And there's some things that we focus on and we say, this is what we're called to. And we're going to put riverbanks around it. And we're going to let the, we're going to be a channel of blessing and we're going to be persistent because, because rivers can cut through rock when they're persistent. That's where the power is. Amen. And so we've identified eight deserts as a church, as, as leaders, we've identified eight deserts that we feel God is calling us to bring rivers of life to. I'll read that uh, passage from Isaiah again. Do you not see it? Indeed, I'll make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. So we want to identify the deserts before we get to the rivers. And I'm going to read these uh, to you quickly. I talked about them last week, but I just I want you to know this is really intentional for us. This is long term. This is our local blessing plan. So the eight deserts we've identified, and you might want to take your notes out and, and jot this down. Desert, the desert of spiritual emptiness. There's people who are spiritually empty, dark, and um, far from God. They don't have peace with God. There's the desert of literacy and, and education. There's illiteracy as an issue where people don't have the knowledge and education they need. There's a desert um, in our area. And we're, we're talking about deserts in Pierce County. I'm not talking about globally yet. We're talking about Pierce County, our own backyard. There's deserts of life skill. There's a lack of life skill. Um, where people, you, we all know that life skills pay the bills. And there's people who don't have those skills. They don't have those abilities for occupation and vocational success. Uh, there's the desert of poverty and cycles of poverty and vulnerability um, that needs, it needs a river of life. And there's a desert of environmental destruction, just senseless, uh, unsustainable practices with the creation God has given us to manage, steward, and take care of. And we take that seriously. And there's a desert there in our area. There's a desert of disconnection and division. This one's huge. In a few weeks, I'm going to be talking specifically about this one. Disconnection and division in our culture, politically, uh, ethnically, uh, religiously, you name it, family. There's just so much disconnection and division that needs a river of life. Number seven, uh, desert of self-serving leadership. Too many leaders that are using others to prop themselves up and serving themselves rather than the people that they've actually been called to serve. And the last Last one is the desert of sickness and disease. And that's like, we have so much addiction in our area. There's so much uh, struggle with just basic health. Um, heart disease. Obesity in America is, is like the malnourished issues going on in third world countries. We have people struggling with that all over the place. There's mental illness. There's, and Jesus came to, to heal physically and spiritually. And we, we want to bring rivers to this. And so just to remind you guys, Ezekiel 47, 9 says, wherever the river flows, what happens? Life will flourish. And we, we put this in acrostic just to try to make it easy to remember that with the word flourish, we've got our eight rivers that when we bless, life will flourish. And these are, these are holistic, holistic um, rivers of, of gospel. Jesus brought a holistic gospel f- for the whole person. Um, so here we go. These are the rivers we want to bring into Pierce County, into our area. Flourishing churches, making flourishing ch- disciples. 
We want to plant, start and strengthen more churches in our area uh, to, to help with the, the problem of spiritual emptiness. Literacy and education for the de- desert of uh, illiteracy and lack of education. Occupational empowerment for, for people who have the lack of life skills. Uh, underprivileged are assisted. People who are vulnerable and, and underprivileged finding assistance um, in the desert of poverty. Um, and vulnerability, R- uh, restoring creation where there's a desert uh, and destruction of, of our natural resources, inclusion and peacemaking. This is so important. Inclusion and peacemaking where there's disconnection and division, uh, servant leadership where there's self-serving leadership, and finally health and wholeness to the desert of disease and sickness. Are you guys? Can you guys get behind this? So what does this look like? I, I, I want you guys to see a little interview we did with a quick, we did a quick interview with an iPhone, but it's a river of blessing that is going on through a family in our church. The Slaughters, they're good friends, Rick and Jen Slaughter, and they've created a, a river of blessing in Ording. Watch this video. Hey, thanks for joining We Bless, uh, the series that we're in, talking about being a personal blessing and a local blessing. And I have some friends here who are doing some incredible things locally, uh, being a blessing, uh, particularly in Ording. So uh, would you guys mind just sharing what you guys do? Uh, several years ago, we had a, a community group that was meeting at our house, and um, we really saw a need to put our focus towards the teens. Um, there's not a lot of things for kids to do, or youth at all in our town. There's no school buses, that are city buses that go out. There's no places for them to drop in or go to. So about four years ago, we got with a gal in town who had um, the building, but she needed some people to help. And then uh, the last couple of years, we, we took over, and we've been running the teens that are down in Oregon. We've got a pool table, which the kids really love, and a foosball table. We have a set of couches where they kind of have social time and charge their phones. We do um, ping pong <laughs> That's tables. That's a big deal these days. It is a big deal. Oh, yeah. A lot of stuff. Sounds like the kids love dropping in. Yeah. Um, I've, I've heard you guys do some life skill type of stuff out there, too. Oh, oh yeah. Tell us about that. Yep, we've had um, we've got cooking classes. We've we had uh, we've got karate classes. Those are good life skills too. Do you teach that? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. We've got actually a pretty high degree black belt guy that teaches that for free. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. We've had we have a tutoring hour for the kids to be able to come in and do homework. We have a snack shack that we let yep. the teens get involved, so they learn how to count change back and um, balance the till, do inventory, you know, count before and after, and. Um, mopping, cleaning skills. Those are, those are life skills. <laughs> Doug Bishop, he's one of he's our uh, gardener, and he's yeah. out there. We're growing fruit, vegetables, donating that to the food bank in town, getting the kids involved with that. And the senior center, yeah, the senior center does like a meal a night, and so we've been donating food for them to make for the meal that night. There's a lot of kids that don't have somebody at home uh, who listens. A lot of a lot of kids, maybe they have one parent at home, and the other ones. You know, in jail or at the casino or just out running around. Um, you know, there's a lot of kids that have not great environments, and a lot of times they just want someone to listen to them. Um, so giving them a nice place to go, a safe place to go, a place that they can also belong um, and connect uh, is something that I didn't have. You know, um, I, I got in some trouble in junior high and high school, and um, I just kind of want to go back and, you know, help out. And, and reach some of those, you know, little Ricky slaughters that could have gone a better path. The passion was us having children of our own. We have a teenager, and I think it just kind of tugged on my heartstrings because I saw that there were teens that, you know, didn't have a dinner at night, you know, and didn't have parents 
that they could go home with or that cared or checked in with them throughout the day, you know. So I guess that just kind of is where my heart was like, oh, we need to reach these teens, you know. Um, and we just had a lot of, like, backlash. Like, the teens in Ording just kind of are seen in a bad light sometimes. And so to be able to tell pe the teens' stories, you know, that they were out weeding the garden and, you know, thinning out the carrots and they were mopping the floor and, you know, they were counting back change at the, ch you know, snack shack and things. To be able to tell the stories of these teens um, and give them a voice, I think, was a passion that is where my passion comes from. I just um, want to thank you guys for bringing your faith, um, bringing your heart, bringing your, um, your, your, your friends and things into actual action. I mean, you are, you are making differences in people's mm -hmm. lives and kids' lives and their families, and you guys are truly an example of how to be a, a local blessing. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> guys, can we give that a hand? I am so grateful. If you want to talk with Jen, she's over here in the corner about what they're doing. Um, but see, these are the heroes to me as people who are investing their lives into others. If, if One of the cool things is that they're, they have compassion. There's something that's motivating them. They're seeing what God sees and they're doing what God says. You might not be, you have the same uh, passion. You might not have the same skill sets or whatever. But God is, he will, can and will use you to be a river of blessing somewhere. And in our church, we want people to have a personal blessing. In your social circles, there's nothing that's holding you back from sharing and showing the love of God. And in our church, we, most of our, our blessing locally happens through our groups. And so if you're not in a group, and you're, you're like, but you're wanting to grow and becoming a blessing, you know, go to the group up table right at the end here, and they'll sign you up, or they'll launch you if you want to start a group. Like, every one of our groups has some incredible things. And in all these areas, these deserts and these rivers we're talking about, we already have people blessing. God is already at work, and we're even learning new things that are already happening in our church. And we just want to bring them forward and show you more stories of where God is unleashing rivers in the desert. that cool? Now, what, here's the last thing I want to I finish uh, with is, uh, what, is a, what does a flourishing land look like, a flourishing desert look like, where the river flows, life flourishes? In Luke chapter 7, two of John's disciples, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, found Jesus and asked him, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Because John is in prison. He's not doing ministry. His ministry's been cut short. And he's like, Jesus, I thought you were going to be the conqueror. I thought you were going to like lead everything and we're going to take over and get rid of all the bad people and move all the good people in. And so are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep... That, uh, that reveals that Jesus wasn't who John expected. Jesus isn't often who we expect. Sometimes he's, he's more than we expected. He's too much uh, for us to handle. He's too little. Like the, the expectations that we had where we had more expectations or we didn't have any expectations. And Jesus says, well, I don't know what your expectations are, but this is what I'm about. So I love this. This gives a picture of what flourishing really is. At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind. And then listen to this. Underline this if you, if you have your Bible. Then he told John's disciples, go back and tell John. Tell him what you have seen and what you've heard. The blind see 
The lame walk, those with leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised to life. And the good news of the power of God, the kingdom of God, is being preached to the poor. Go tell them what you've seen, what you've heard. And you might have won a, a military leader. I came to set people free physically and spiritually so they can live into the kingdom of God. And I might not be what you expect, but this is what God has called me to do. So if you've ever had someone doubt you and your faith, doubt you and your church, doubt what you're about, what we point to, what we want to point to is not ourselves, it's to what the Spirit of God is doing, the Spirit of Jesus is doing. It's to changed lives. That person was dead spiritually and now they're alive. That person, like, their marriage was on the rocks. There was no hope and God changed it. That person had no parents, it was, it had, no, had no hope, was an orphan, and they've been through house after house. And God changed their life. We are in the business of changed lives here, friends. That's what a flourishing world looks like. Amen? And Jesus adds this in verse 23. God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Jesus might not be who you expected. He might not do what you expect. But he says, blessed is the one who is not turned away, who does not reject me, who does not walk away from me, but embraces me. Don't walk away from the calling that God has in your life. And you might be like, well, I don't. Man, I don't have ability. I've got limitations. I just can't. I don't have the passion. At Whitewater, we bless nonetheless. But I, but I, but I don't have the gifts and skills. And man, I don't have the knowledge. And uh, uh, you know, there's 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 things. And look at how big of the the issues are. Look how vast the desert is. Where do you start? You know, there's all kinds of issues. But at Whitewater, we bless nonetheless. You with me? We bless nonetheless. And a river can cut through the rock of any desert if it's persistent, if it's powerful. So would you commit with me here at Whitewater to be persistent blessings in our community? I want to show you this last video um, and then we're going to sing some songs together. But would you watch this video um, that shows the results of a flourishing river in Ording? This is uh, a video they made a year ago when they were applying for um, some, uh, some cool uh, government assistance. My mom dropped me off. She didn't want me. She decided to drop me off my dad's doorsteps. And a few months later, my dad is going to jail under a false accusation. So I'm in a really tough time. And I can come here knowing um, I'm safe, knowing that there's a lot of people who care for you here. And it's a great place to pass time and get my mind off of really stressful things. I believe that each student that comes here has a value and a purpose, and it is my job to um, pull that out of them, show them who they are meant to be, and, and I want them to know that they have that value. Debbie Zukowski, I'm a loan officer at the Tacoma, Washington branch, like to be considered for the $10,000 grant. Kids just want a place where they can feel loved, a place they can hang out, where they feel safe. And the Haven is where it happens at. Yeah. And he wants you to know in your gut that God has called you. He has shaped you. He has placed you for such a time as this, for the time that we live in Pierce County, 
for the people around you and that what's going on here can go on in your life. It might look different. It might be a different passion. It might be a different area. But God wants to take rivers and bring them to the desert. He can and will do it through you. We're going to sing two songs. And then I'm going to give a clear... I just want to give a really... um, For me, it's about compassion. For you, I don't know what it'll be be about. But I want to give a clear invitation to join us in serving foster care this winter. Um, And so let's sing with all our hearts and all our lungs. And we'll give you the clear information how you can be involved in being a blessing. Amen? All right. Uh, Band, come on up. (laughs) Let me pray real quick. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for everyone who's here. Thank you that you have a vision for our church that's bigger than our church, that's bigger than what we would ever dream, what we would ever think of. And Lord, thank you that you want to use each and every person. Lord, we bless nevertheless because the river can cut through any rock. And Lord, we pray that your spirit would just cut through everything, even the barriers of our own hearts, so that we could become a river of blessing. Amen.